0: from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Company
1: takeover on your Thursday. Willie Ramirez is down at Silver 7's getting ready for Thursday night football. Of course, all of the usual great specials we have at Silver 7's. Get those 77 cent. Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra, come on now. Come on now. You can't get it much cheaper than that. You can't even buy it that cheap. 77 cents for Thursday Night Football down at Silver 7s. You got the Bucks, You got the Eagles. Should be fantastic. Uh, Willie, of course, has been following everything going on with the Raiders throughout. Um, Willie's got some tickets for you, too, uh, if you get down and come see him at Silver 7s. Uh, let's uh, let start with trending at 2.
0: It's trending at 2. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA.
1: All right, so Willie's been down in Henderson with the Raiders. Uh, We know that they've been making their folks available to speak a little on the later side in these days. Yesterday, it was a jam-packed day. Uh, We heard from Mike Mayock, heard from Derek Carr. Heard from Rich Passaccia. number of the players, uh, the coordinators are there today. Greg Olson and Gus Bradley. We're going to keep you posted on everything they had to say. Uh, the one person we still have not heard from, Mark Davis' silence watch, has now hit six days. Uh, we will keep that count, or at least I will every time I'm on Cofield & Company until we hear from Mark Davis. Latest information that we have, though, um, little pieces of news trickling in. John Gruden has been dropped From the Madden 22 video game Uh, so add that to John Gruden no longer uh, having his Skechers deal Uh, you know pretty pretty typical stuff that we see in 2021 where uh, companies are distancing themselves from the kind of remarks that were in the Gruden emails Uh, former Raiders have some things to say as well how about Jack Del Rio coming out and condemning everything that Gruden had in his emails the man of course who was replaced by John Gruden who was left out there by Mark Davis To announce his own firing. Um, But I would say there might be a few things that Jack Del Rio Indy Derek Carr, let's get everyone's emails out there, Vane, might not want on the table. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Willie, what's up, man? Get get us caught up uh, on what's happening out in Henderson with the Raiders today.
2: Yeah, so, you know, Raiders, uh, according to Mike Mayock yesterday and interim head coach, uh, Rich Besacchia. It is next man up mentality as this team has somewhat inherited all season in terms of the injuries. I guess now at the top, it's next man up. In when you talk about the head coach, you talk about the offensive play calling duties, and the focus is on the Denver Broncos. Um, you know they they met yesterday early. Uh, Mark Davis spoke. Mike Mayock spoke. Basaccia spoke. Mark, just to hold hold just like yeah, Or excuse me, Mark, not Mark, not Mark Davis. Um, Mike Mayock. Excuse me, okay. Mark Davis did no. Excuse me, Mark Davis did speak to the team. I'm talking okay. about team meeting, not to, gotcha. not to us as reporters. He gotcha, Te- gotcha. Closed team meeting. Mark Davis spoke to the players, then Mike Mayock, then Rich Basaccia, and the team captains, and then they had practice. According to Derek Carr, it was a very good practice. Um. Today we had a chance to talk to Gus Bradley and Greg Olson. I didn't get a chance to sit in on Olson as I was on my way to Silver Sevens and but I did get a chance to ask a question to Gus Bradley he spoke he's and everybody obviously is, is going to get asked the, the question the question they're not going to elude that um, and the word the most common word being used is saddened um, but nobody obviously agrees with the vernacular and the emails and what exactly um, is apparently John Gruden's thoughts. So um, Carl Nassib returned yesterday. He requested a personal day. Mayock said that they had spoken several times and that they planned on speaking again last night. He requested a personal day because it quote unquote, it was a lot to process um, very understandably. And um, he returned to practice today. And so you know, it's uh, as everybody has pretty much sort of reiterated, the focus is on the Broncos. They've it's it's hard to use the phrase "get past it," but they've moved past the initial shock and drama of everything that took went that went down Friday and then Monday, and they swear that their focus is on um, is on uh, Sunday's game, a very important game as both Denver and Las Vegas. Is three and two, sitting one game back of AFC West leading uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and so we will see what happens. You know, there there it, it was bad enough that there were a lot of questions as far as the offensive line. Um, you know, a bit of a banged up defense to a degree, and uh, how they respond to this is really going to show uh, a lot of character. Um, I, I have to wonder with with uh, Greg Olson playing uh making the calls if he may expand the playbook a little bit i've heard mixed reviews that some think that it would be more conservative i personally thought that he may open it up and let Derek take some chances and instead of being a run first set up the set up the pass offense that he may pass a little bit more and use those weapons that he has um you know that extensive receiving core so it, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they respond I one thing I think that might be to their advantage is that this game is on the road, so at some point they can get on a plane, go and somewhat bond, even if it's for forty-eight hours in Denver, just them, no distractions, uh, you know, no media, no no local distractions. They can get, they can finally get away from things.
1: Well, there's a lot to cover with the Raiders. We're going to talk to our man. Dan Jacobs in Denver just a little while, about 20 minutes. Xavier Pope is here. Jimmy Smith, former Jacksonville Jaguar, coming up at 315. Adam Hill, of course, is still out with the Raiders at the moment. He'll be here at 345. Of course, down at Silver 7s, it's not just Tampa Bay and Philly. In the NFL tonight, uh, BGK on the ice against the Los Angeles Kings as the Kings open their home slate and... We haven't spent a lot of time on baseball this week, but you get what might be the game of the season this evening. Dodgers at the Giants. Corey Knable, yes, Corey Knable, that guy, is going to start for the Dodgers against Logan Webb for the Giants. We're going to talk a little bit more about baseball in just a couple of minutes uh, coming up. And uh, we've talked plenty about Kyrie Irving, Willie. Uh, Kyrie has had his say. He was on his Instagram earlier and kind of laid out his side, said he understands the consequences of his actions. He understands what it means that the Brooklyn Nets not only have told him that he can't be there, that he's not going to be a part-time member of the team this year, but they've gone a step farther. They said, you know what, by the time your contract's up, that's it. We're done. We're not doing any more with you. Kyrie, and we're going to talk to uh, some folks about Kyrie Irving, including Xavier, a little bit later on, and we've got all that audio from Kyrie Irving a little later on in the show, but Giants-Dodgers, man, I got to get back to this for a second, we got to talk a little bit of Major League Baseball, it's the rivalry, it's 213 wins on the field tonight when we come back.
0: Nova Home Loans brings you trending It two. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans with interest rates at all-time lows. Now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer, 877-700-NOVA. Baseball needs great games in October. This is when people are paying attention the most to a sport that's losing its fan base during the regular season. So now we have this epic matchup, and honestly, the games have been ridiculous, awesome. So let's have more of the two best teams and not have them face off in the division series. It's ridiculous. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s with Cofield & Company. Cofield & Company, Thursday afternoon,
1: Company Takeover with Willie Ramirez down at Silver 7s. Adam Candy, Ari is in the Finley Toyota Studios. Steve Cofield returns tomorrow. He and Willie will take you into your weekend weekend. We have only a couple of hours left until the single biggest baseball game of the 2021 season. I don't care who ends up in the World Series. I don't care who ends up in the League Championship Series. This is the biggest game we will see all year. There will not be a bigger atmosphere. There will not be a bigger rivalry. There will not be two better teams taking a baseball field, Willie Ramirez, than there will be tonight with the Giants And the Dodgers, and you heard Jessica Mendoza there on the way back saying, well, we we should have seven games of this. I agree. I'd love seven games of this. But I also don't want seven games of Astros' White Sox, nor do I want seven games of Rays' Red Sox. So you kind of have to take the good with the bad. But let's get to the game here in San Francisco tonight. Willie, what are you expecting between the Giants and the Dodgers?
2: Do you think that this is the single greatest Giants-Dodgers game in rivalry history?
1: You know, I'm not sure I know the history well enough. I have to be square about that. That uh, maybe you, maybe you've got something cued up here from somewhere beyond my memory. I, I don't. You know what? Okay, it, all right. It, it came
2: I, up in the conversation in the media room today, with of course uh, Ed Grainy, who he and uh, you know he he and I, I. I'm a Dodger fan for a long time, and he's a he's a diehard Dodger. I mean, he's a, he's an insane Dodger. He's a fanatic. Um, but it came up that this could be single the the single greatest game in the rivalry but you know you asked a little bit of a teaser and, and you put it, you, you put in our in our in our rundown is is are the giants getting or excuse me are the dodgers getting a little too cute with their starter tonight
1: they are i mean and i'll just for those who don't know yet yeah uh, they, they pulled julio yurias out and they've put Corey Knebel in at least to start. Uh, that that doesn't mean that Urias isn't available, right. but Corey Knebel, the reliever, goes in. And per David Purdom of ESPN, uh, the Giants are now favorites over the Dodgers tonight. If the price holds, he says, it'll be the first time the Giants have been favored over the Dodgers in their last 87 meetings.
2: Well... And, and, and David's a great guy. I've known David since before he joined ESPN, and he was covering high school sports in Atlanta, and he was doing freelance uh, sports, so he does a fantastic job. But when it was a pick em earlier, it was minus 105 on either side. It was There were some 110s out there. There were some 115s on the Giants um, before the pitching change. But now it's just slightly by a nickel. So, yes. But I have a stat for you. When Corey has been used as an opener – four times this year. Uh, one time he lasted one inning. One time he uh, lasted two innings and one and twice he lasted three innings. The Dodgers when he starts as just a pure opener are 3 and 1. The lone loss was in San Francisco. Uh-oh. A 3 to 2 decision on September 3rd. Now he wasn't responsible for any of the runs. Um, as a matter of fact, when he has started as an opener, he's only given up one earned run, and that was when he went one inning at St. Louis on September 7th. The Dodgers won that game 7-2. to So, um, obviously, they're trying to somewhat switch it up. Instead of preparing for a lefty, you're preparing for a righty, and then you could bring him in. Um, so, I, I don't know how much, if, if they're overthinking this and what they're trying to do, what I do know is this. If the Giants, you have to remember the Giants outside of the Cardinals one game. The Giants are the worst hitting team in the playoffs to this to this moment. Um, They have not been hitting the ball well. (laughs) Excuse me. So when you combine that with what they're trying to do pitching wise, um, it, it could pose a little bit of a problem. But the thing is, is the Giants chase him early and jump out can you get that back against Logan Webb how many times how many road to, how many uh, times through the road uh, through the lineup can Webb get is the big question the Dodgers they've scored 19 runs in five playoff games the Giants they've scored nine in four games um, you know Dodgers have 40 hits in their night in their in their five games they're hitting 240. The Giants are hitting 184. So I think it's a matter of which offense is going to jump out first and get those initial runs in order to sort of control the pace and give the pitching staff a little bit of support.
1: So this year, Julio Urias won 20 games, which is, of course, not the best measure of any pitcher. Mm -hmm. And you know that it it doesn't mean that he did anything spectacular – he did pitch well, right? But 20 wins doesn't mean what it used to. A win is a stat. You can give up 10 runs in five innings, and your team can score 11. You still get a win. It really doesn't mean anything. But when you look at it and say, are you accomplishing what you want to accomplish by giving the San Francisco Giants the right-hander when they were expecting the left-hander? Let's look at the splits for the Giants this year and say, how have they hit against right-handed, left-handed pitchers? Well, against righties... Corey Knebel, they've hit 250. Uh, against lefties, like Julio Urias, they've hit 247. The on-base percentage, basically the same, slightly higher slugging percentage against right-handed pitchers. So I'm okay with it from this perspective. Starters don't go long anymore. Even if Julio Urias starts this game... There is no guarantee he's in there for more than two innings, more than three innings, more than four innings. And maybe you want to use him for a different two, three, four innings somewhere in this game. That's modern baseball. The starting pitcher doesn't mean what the starting pitcher used to. Now, it might be for Logan Webb that that's the case. Maybe the Giants hope to get six, seven innings out of Logan Webb and try to minimize their bullpen. But for the Dodgers, this is 2021. 2021. This right. is what baseball looks like now, whether you like it or not. The aesthetics kind of suck, honestly. I don't really love watching a parade of seven or eight pitchers, but you know, really this is reality. Like this is this is what we have now with openers. Teams like Tampa Bay are going to be doing it all playoffs long and the Dodgers are just using a little modern theory.
2: Yeah, and I mean this is a, this is a trend that Tampa Bay started years ago. They were the first ones to sort of do the the whole opener thing. And I'm just wondering like you know, if they if they're setting him up to To bring him in, bring Urias in, you know he he's been their best road pitcher, thirteen and two in eighteen starts with the suitcase in hand. Okay, two point seven one ERA on the road, and then the second half of the season, nine and zero with a two point zero four ERA in fourteen starts. Um, they've won his last eleven starts. So, and, and here's the thing. You mentioned starts versus openers. I'm just going to say in appearances because they're obviously starts. But if he comes in, but you know, in the second or third inning, he's going to be good for five or six, I would imagine, as long as he's fresh, he's warmed up. Um, and over his last 11 appearances, a 1.77 ERA, he's held teams to a point, uh, 193 batting average. He's allowed two home runs in his last 11 appearances for L.A. So... I think they get that if they can get through the first couple of innings with whatever strategy, and then bring in the southpaw. You know, it's up to the Giants to jump on uh, Knebel early, and because you know they bring uh, Julio in, it's going to be it's going to be a pitching battle from there. If the Dodgers haven't jumped jumped on Logan Webb, Webb is one and two with the three point six four ERA in six lifetime starts against the Dodgers.
1: Well. It'll be fascinating to watch it play out because it is, on one end, the oldest of tradition, the oldest of the old school with these two teams getting together for this particular game, and then you've got the fascinating modern side of this with the Dodgers going with an opener as opposed to their best available starter in Julio Urias, who of course, as you as a Dodger fan know, has a lot of experience coming out of the bullpen. He did it for the last couple of years uh, for the Dodgers in the playoffs, so it's not like it'll be new to him to do that. I'm juice. I'm ready for it. I am fired up not only for that, uh, but to see Thursday night football and to see what the, in theory, new-look Raiders look like coming out on Sunday. Greg Olson talked a little while ago and said, Yeah, my play calls were suggestions. John Gruden you're gonna see a little different flow now in the play calling where we gonna see when they get up to Denver we're gonna talk to our man Dan Jacobs about that in just a moment here on Cofield & Company
0: Silver 7's NFL special two 22 ounce drafts two hot dogs and two bags of chips for just 777
3: for me my message today was we have a job to do so uh, if we're still in our feelings it's too late. We got to move on.
0: Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s with Cofield & Company.
1: Cofield Company live out at Silver 7s. Willie Ramirez is there. Adam Candy, Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios. 77 cent. I said it. 77 cent. Bud Bud Light. Mick Ultra 777 meal special out there with the beers, with the dogs, with the chips. Willie has some giveaways for you. You've got some tickets. Stop by the table. He will vet Hook it you. Up. He will vet you. He will make sure that you are of sufficient quality for our high high end giveaways. And then he will make sure that you get hooked up with what we have. Uh, Raiders at Denver this weekend. Three and a half point underdogs are the Raiders taking on Teddy Bridgewater a pair of three and two teams uh keeping what has been one of the better rivalries in this division going for a long time our man Dan Jacobs is up in Denver on the fan radio and knows this rivalry as well as uh anyone Dan what's the word man how you doing
3: I'm doing well how are you guys How's it going?
1: we, we are just trying to keep up with uh, the pace of what's been going on in Vegas this week but of course In three days, that's going to go on the back burner for at least three hours, and there's a football game between the Raiders and the Broncos to get down to. Um, We know it was a fast start for the Denver Broncos. We know that uh, a close game that they drop at the very ends last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. What's the mindset? What's the feeling around Denver about this Broncos team right now?
3: Well, it wasn't really a close game. It ended up being close. Uh, You know, they... It ended on a Teddy Bridgewater pick that, you know, looked, made the game, it was, looks closer at the end. And yes, if, I guess, that had they converted there and got a two point conversion, I guess it would have been a close game. But the Raiders, or excuse me, the Steelers dominated that game most of the game and kind of let up. Um, and it was a one and three Steelers team going into that game against the Broncos. Um, the Broncos were not a good team, but I, I actually said on Twitter, um, Today, I think the season is effectively over. for Whichever team loses this game, the Broncos started out three and zero against horrifically bad teams. That started out zero and nine, and I think two and ten to start the season. Uh, two of the teams they beat uh, had starting uh, rookie quarterback starting, and I, you know, I was on. You know, I did the, the podcast with Cofield. I said, Steve, I had no idea the Giants Daniel Jones is that terrible. You know, I just assumed he was. First-round pick in his third year was going to be decent. Man, he was terrible in that game against the Broncos. The minute the Broncos ran into a decent team to a good team in the Ravens, they got completely destroyed. And then the minute that, that game kicked off against all that whole week going up against Ben Roethlisberger, uh, oh, Big Ben, all we heard was they were going to bench Big Ben, and he was completely done, and the, the, the Steelers weren't even, even their defense wasn't very good. They dominated the Broncos from kickoff uh, in that game. And somehow, the, you know, the you know they let up a little bit and they, the game looks closer than it was. The Broncos are not a very good team. And I'm texting back and forth with Cofield watching kind of the Bears game, like, what is going on with the Las Vegas Raiders? Now, all of a sudden, the Broncos' season, which was a dumpster fire, is now has new life. And the Raiders, you know, should... Their is now a dumpster fire, but because the Broncos are so terrible, maybe they, maybe they probably don't. But do the Raiders? I'm gonna ask you guys: Do they have new life? Maybe a shot not loop not with a win, would they have new life? I guess.
2: Well, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if they have new life, and I don't, I don't what? know, you know, in terms would of they the, win would they with win? a with 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 a win. I, I think, that, I think it's already a new era in terms of getting those distractions off. And I'm not necessarily sold. I will say this um, because I've been on the Denver is fraudulent after 3-0 and since then. I will say this. I, I, I am with you where if the Raiders beat Denver, it's essentially a sign that, okay, we were right. Anyone who said they were a fraud after 3-0, they are right. Their season is, is continuing to spiral i don't necessarily think the same of the raiders only because of everything that's been going on if they show some fight and show some some kind of because let's not you know people are judging the raiders on and saying that the distraction from what took place on friday affected them in the bears game and it it and, yes, that could lend to it. But the Raiders were pretty bad the previous Monday against the Chargers. So I think that they have to show improvement from the last two weeks. And this is the week where, if anything's going to affect them, because Gruden re- uh, resigned on Monday and they've had all this time, they've had a team meeting, they've, they've inherited the, the next man up mentality from the coaching staff. They, they've already been playing with that as it is. They've been playing shorthanded since week one. Um I just wonder if going away, getting away from Las Vegas and sort of rinsing off the whole feel of being around the facility and everything that comes with it, the mental aspect, it might be a breath of fresh air. And if Denver gets caught sleeping, thinking that Vegas is going to come in distracted could pose a problem for the Broncos.
1: Well... Here's my question. How
2: come the line only moved? You guys are in Vegas. How come the line
3: only has moved to half point? With with everything going on with Gruden and everything, how come Vegas, how come the money hasn't moved? Um, The line hasn't moved.
1: I I think I can answer that with two words, and it's probably just Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Derek Carr (laughs) versus Terry Bridgewater in the end. There's not much question as to who the better quarterback is. Uh, between these two teams. um, I think that the market is very willing to write off last week's performance by the Raiders against the Bears as noise based on Gruden. Now, whether that's true or not, we're going to find out. Um, But it was, by a long shot, the worst full-game performance we've seen out of the Raiders' offense. That being said, if you want to go back to the Chargers game and how putrid the Raiders were in the first half, they've scored 23 points in their last eight quarters of football. So, you know, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with only a half point, Dan. But, you know, that's uh, that's why I think the market is overall on this. Um, when you look at this Raiders team, and you said you're wondering what's going on as you're watching the Bears game, right? I mean, it, with where you see the Broncos right now, do you see the Raiders as a threat? Do you see these two teams being not on equal footing? Do you think the Raiders are necessarily better than the Broncos?
3: Normally, going into this season... Normally, I pick the Raiders every time. The Broncos are not a good team. They do not beat good teams. They normally do not beat the Raiders. I normally would have picked the Raiders. The Broncos have severe issues with their offensive line. You know what I call the Vic Sancho defense? I call it the Vic Sancho unicorn defense. because They say how great it's going to be, but I'll believe it when I see it. I've never seen it, right? Um, it's... It, they are struggling in so many areas. If you take away the cupcakes they beat earlier in the year, this team is exactly as bad as they've been for the last four or five years, right? As soon as they face faced any opposition, they've reverted back to what they've been. And so I normally would have picked the Raiders. But seeing what they were, even before the Gruden stuff happened, seeing how the Raiders have seemingly been on the decline, man, it makes me real nervous. So, you know, the Broncos are bad, but they're not like, you know, Jaguars bad or they're not, you know, Jets bad. So for me, it's a little hard to pick against the Broncos knowing just how, oh, you in just such a sense of disarray the Broncos are in, or excuse me, the Raiders are in right now. It's just hard for me to believe with, with everything that's going on, knowing they were struggling before all these distractions happened, that the Raiders are going to go on the road. And get a victory against the you know a Broncos team like this. I just it hurts me to believe that's going to
2: happen. Yeah, and I mean it. It you would think that that's just it. Is you would think that that's that should be the case. Um, and I've been there the last two days, and just hearing everybody talk, it it seems as if they immediately after Mark Davis addressed the team and Mike Mayock addressed the team that it, there was a sense of. Um, Relief, I guess, might be the word that, because it, it, you got the feeling that there that 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 there was something lingering on Saturday and Sunday morning, um, and and not that it affected their play, but just kind of, okay, what's going on here? And I think because again, I, I repeat that it that it all took place immediately. They had a day to let it sort of absorb and and soak in, and then they immediately started yesterday with, um the meeting i just it i you know words are one thing they got to put it out there on the field but they 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 were out there practicing um they they the energy was according to the players according to the coordinators today uh gus bradley greg Olson that you know everybody's fine the units are back to their their team meetings and and it's you know the only difference is there's only one voice missing and so um, you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, what Denver has done and, and you know, their, their three wins have come against, you know, bottom of the barrel teams and how they performed the last two weeks. I, I um, you know, I, I again, I, I reiterate that this is one of those games where you would expect that everything points to Denver for obvious reasons and that the Raiders are going to come in and maybe possibly put forth their best effort simply because of what's taken place and, and let a lot of frustration out and, and play their best football and this might be where all they want to do is focus on the game and focus on the sport and focus on their job and 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 nothing else because of everything well, else that, that they've been having to deal with. If if you lined up a
3: normal Raiders team,
2: yeah
3: talent wise and if if everything was equal, the Raiders win. And that's just all there is to it. But I don't think we're dealing with that situation. If, if you took the Raiders from week two, if you took the Raiders from week one that beat the Ravens, that came back and beat the Ravens, maybe yeah. who three, I say there's no question. It's hands down. Um, you know, Because we've been talking about the Broncos are fool's gold around here. But I just don't think we're dealing with that. I mean, we're dealing with a team that struggled to beat Justin Field and you know, we have um, you know a, a, a loyal. Uh, he said, "Dan, be nice." You know, Raiders fans have feelings too. And I said, J- uh, "You know, Jeff, Jeff Silver. He's a, he's a buddy of, a buddy of mine out here. He's a, a loyal season ticket holder of of, of the Raiders. He, he flies out there." I says, "You know," and I took to the issue. I said, "I don't know if Raiders fans do have feelings, Jeff." But he says, uh, "You know," I says, "I just don't know. You, you can't be Justin Fields. I don't know that we're dealing with with those circumstances. I think they're just a very struggling franchise." in disarray right now. But, yeah, if everything was equal and we believed they could come out, they're just not doing the things that I, I don't even see a normal Derek Carr right now, like a normal Derek Carr. Derek Carr normally against the Broncos, he just kind of takes them apart. Normally, against, again, this supposed great Vic Fangio defense, he is so comfortable, kind of just, it's, he's like a surgeon against these Vic Fangio-type defenses. And Vic Fangio's defense is struggling mighty mightily right now. We've been told that this Vic Fangio secondary is going to be the best in the league. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see it recently, it, especially the last two weeks. Kyle Fuller has been getting absolutely roasted. Kareem Jackson, who you know, we were told, you know, George Payton, what a, what a steal he got in Kareem Jackson. Uh, Kareem Jackson is going to be, be getting, has been burnt badly. Um, this team, from a defensive standpoint, has been in tatters recently. So the Broncos have their own problems. I'm just not sure. I haven't seen a a normal Derek Carr. I haven't seen a uh, Raiders uh, offensive line that's been playing well. I just, from what I've seen the last couple weeks out of the Raiders, man, I just don't know what's going on with you guys.
1: Well, that is a fantastic question that we will not have an answer to for another three days, and there have been many twists and turns just to get to this point. Dan Jacobs in Denver, the fan radio. Dan, thank you, sir. And, of course, we will see you and talk to you soon.
3: All right. Thanks, guys.
1: On the other side, our man Xavier Pope weighs in on what's been going on around the Raiders organization. What about Kyrie Irving as well? He had his say. We'll talk to Xavier about that as we come back on Cofield &
0: Company. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
4: I would not be surprised if we see more things come out of this because apparently with the L.A. Times having their hands on emails from a different lawsuit and now the push from the former cheerleaders who are suing, this could very easily be the beginning of a scandal. I don't think that this is going to be a matter of we get another week of football game and then everything goes away. I don't see this. Now, back
0: to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company voice of Bomani Jones
1: talking about the Washington football team 650,000 emails that John Gruden apparently was just one part of uh sent back and forth with Bruce Allen it's Cofield and Company on your Thursday afternoon live down at Silver 7s Willie Ramirez Adam Candy Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios uh get down there you can check out not only this NFL game tonight between Tampa Bay and Philadelphia, but every NFL game, get the beer specials, get the meal specials, daily happy hour, starting at three o'clock down at silver sevens. So, uh, it's been a week to talk to our legal insiders, especially one of those. We love chatting with Xavier Pope, uh, joining us here on Cofield company, uh, find suit up news, Xavier Pope on Twitter, Xavier, uh, What's word, man? How are you doing? And uh, what's going on your Thursday?
4: Pretty good, man. Feeling pretty good. Thursday, almost the weekend. Uh, and uh, beautiful day here in Chicago. Yeah. Ready to go.
1: Yeah. Ready to go. Ready to go. Uh, there's a specific aspect of the thing that we've spent all week talking about here in Las Vegas that, that I wanted to get into with you in the John Gruden situation. And it's less about John Gruden. It's more about Mark Davis. Yeah. Um, we're now what 6 days past the first story and probably 7 days past the first information that Mark Davis received about John Gruden and and everything we've seen thus far ha- has kind of seemed like Mark Davis got forced into doing something he didn't want to do so i'm not sure if that's your read i'm not sure if that's what you've you felt out of this but but i'm trying to figure out that that if Mark Davis isn't really heart into moving on from John Gruden. I'm, I'm kind of wondering how the Raiders organization as a whole begins to move on from all of this.
4: The Raiders are three or two. I think that's, that's lost in all this. Is The Raiders actually are in decent shape in terms of their, their record. They're not on five like the Jacksonville Jaguars where their performance on the field, they're going to have to make a, a decision in relation to that. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, I mean did, did the team even play for John Gruden? On I mean, when they play their last game, I mean, I think that's also something to be looked at as well, and that this team can actually turn it, turn a, turn a, turn a page, and actually have try to have a successful season. So, I don't think the Raider situation is, is as dire as people are making out. Speech the, the, the supposed cancer on the team is gone. Um, you do have Carl Nassib that was there who helped them win. Uh, one of the first games of the season Who is a leader on that team, who people were going to rally around, I think that the Raiders are in a better shape than the news reports are, are saying about him. The, the, the tension that we really should be looking at, it should be the Washington football team who aren't as good, who are in a much worse situation organizationally. Because this is what the whole thing is about in the first place.
1: And they talked today about the fact that they're going to honor uh, their former player, who of course tragically was murdered uh, in a robbery, uh, Sean Taylor. Um, I don't know, Xavier. I I, I understand exactly why um, you know why the organization there might have been lax enough to only mention this three days before they planned to do it. But God, it just it smacks of someone trying to change the subjects in Washington doing this right now when as you said it feels like the focus is about to shift entirely back onto this Washington football team after we get past what one Raiders game on Sunday and then we're back to talking about the fact that uh, there are another 600,000 emails there
4: yeah I think that that's what everyone's saying the tea leaves that we're reading Um, now the organization did reach out to multiple players former players and did bring up having some sort of honor for Sean Taylor before uh, this news cycle, what kind of notice they had about some of the information getting out, that's left the question, and it should be questioned, and it should be questioned. We still don't know to this point how did the the specific emails about John Rue get flagged to the league office. If the league completed its investigation and came out with a decision in July – okay, why is this now getting flagged now? Why is the NFL going through this now? I think it. we still haven't had an answer to that question. Do you have an answer to that question? I don't think
1: anybody has a real answer to that question at this point.
4: Yeah, and I think that's imp- I think I think the more – I mean, we we're looking at the Sean Taylor move, and they, 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 they watch the Washington football team, as long as they're not a good football team, when you're not good, people will start looking at your organization. And it's how, how the Jacksonville Jaguars and the decisions that were made – in relation to Urban Meyer, in terms of Tebow, and and in terms of of coach, and all the different decisions that were made in relation to him, those are being examined now because the team isn't very good. The Washington football team, they aren't they aren't very good right now, and so they are they can't they could have a ring of honor ceremony, they could retire a jersey, they could they could throw a you know a bunch of confetti in the air. That's still not going to detract from the fact they're not such a great football team, and people want to know why. And then you know, as fans. They want to make changes, and one of those big changes is Dan Snyder still being an owner of that football team with all of the issues and problems he has, and we still haven't looked at Bruce Allen in terms of being on the other side of the emails relation to what happened with John Gruden. So there are so many more questions to be asked that have not even come close to being answered in this situation, and that's going to continue.
1: Xavier Pope joining us here on Cofield & Company. Um, Xavier, what has been... What have been your thoughts as you've seen the reactions around the league um, to the John Gruden situation thus far?
4: Yeah, and I, I talked about this on the latest episode of Suit Up News that dropped yesterday. The initial response was all about the, the Wall Street Journal report that had John Gruden referring to NFLPA Executive Director Mari Smith as having lips the size of Michigan Michelin tires. John Gruden camp comes on said he doesn't have a blade of racism in his body. And then he expected to move on. And I think that the sports world looked at it, too, because you had Mike Tirico and and, and Tony Dungy side-by-side side as two African-Americans on set without Drew Brees, a white man on set, covering for this man and really making themselves really look bad in terms of not really fully uh, being really, really genuine about what they even really knew about this man and what he said in private. And then you had the New York Times report come right after that that had other groups. And so uh, we, being homophobic, and some of the things he said about, about Roger Goodell and some of the things with women, I, it, I think it's really amazing that, you know, with the 70% black league, that there was nothing initially done about John Gruden until so there were other groups that were brought up. And, yes, they deserve to be honored. They deserve their places, too. But the, the fact that he said something racial should not have been at the, at the bottom of, of are the things that happen in terms of the, the priorities when these are the men that he's coaching.
1: Xavier, that was uh, not all you covered on Suit Up News. You talked more about the Washington football team investigation, what might be in there about Colin Kaepernick, and you also mm-hmm. discussed Kyrie Irving. And we heard yep. from Kyrie today um, saying he understands the consequences of his actions Um do you think he really does understand the consequences of, of his actions? because it seems to me, Xavier, that the consequences are way more far reaching than what he sees for himself
4: financially. yeah, I, I looked at first and foremost, the nets are only going to be taking away the money he would make at games at in the markets where he can't play. <laughs> so he's still going to make money off the games where he he, he wouldn't be there. And, I mean, it'd be great for me to sit at home and make money. So, I mean, I don't feel bad for him economically at all. Uh, Secondly is Kyrie Irving, he sounded so incredibly naive uh, and really completely misinformed in terms of him standing out there and doing an IG Live. And I think that he made himself look worse off by saying, I stand with the vaccinated, I stand with the unvaccinated, and I'm not against vaccination. He just talked about employers employer mandates, not understanding the difference between the freedom of contract in terms of it being held responsible for what happens in the law, the team has to obey the law, and then the the ability to be able to put a public uh, in a pandemic above certain individual rights and in prioritizing that, and then his place in that. And I think that him talking, he just really was nonsensical with the rambling, and it, it it's unfortunate because people are looking at Kyrie Irving, and I, and we are ascribing the ideas about science in a pandemic to somebody who's a basketball player, not saying that basketball players don't have a place and have knowledge about certain issues. He's helped in society, but I think that there are people looking at him. He thinks the earth is flat. I mean, yeah, he fumbled the bag off the, side, the edge of the, of the flat earth that he has right now <laughs> in terms of the games he's going to be missing. But, I mean, I think that it's important for us to understand that Kyrie Irving, he isn't the end-all and be-all of what people should think about a pandemic.
1: And he is part of a small, small minority of NBA
4: players who haven't been vaccinated. What what is it, less than 20, right? Isn't it less than 20 players? I mean, that's really a small amount. And we're giving a lot of attention to a very small minority of people when the the majority of NFL players have been vaccinated. The majority of NBA players. Almost every single NHL player has been vaccinated. Uh, 85% team that you're seeing across the board in terms of uh, three quarters of the in, in major league baseball. So sports has actually led the way to being safe in this pandemic. I, and we, and we, those the leagues aren't getting enough credit for making sure that guys are getting safe. And they're the, they're the, the examples for other corporations to follow. And so I think that's a an, an narrative we're really missing in on all of this. That We're putting a spotlight on people who really don't know what they're talking about that really eventually probably are going to come around we still aren't paying attention to that maybe if every guy submitting the the proper vaccination card, we saw what happened over the NHL with Vander Kane and the issue going on with that. And I think that's an issue that we probably need to talk a little bit more about in sports in terms of there may be someone who is anti-vaxx that decides to kind of move it another way and decides that, hey, maybe I won't get the actual stick itself. Maybe I'll just make sure I'll show a little bit of proof to be able to evade some of the issues that are, that are happening in terms of their feelings about getting vaccinated. Xavier, tell the people where they can find all of your content. Go to Xavier Pope at Xavier Pope, that's E X A V I R P O P E On Twitter, use the hashtag SuitUpNews, hashtag SuitUpNews, to find the latest episode. We're talking about vaccinations. We're talking about the Washington football team. We're talking about all the different issues that involve around John Gruden as well as Kyrie Irving as well.
1: Always appreciate the time. Great spot, man. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Jack Del Rio has thoughts about John Gruden. I have thoughts about Jack Del Rio coming up on Cofield & Company.
0: Silver 7's NFL Special. Two 22-ounce drafts, two hot dogs, and two bags of chips for just $7.77.